Hello. You are listening to the Carol Connection with your host, Jared Carol. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Carroll Connection. I'm your host, Jared Carroll, here to bring you guys another great episode. I did want to take a chance to shout out last week's episode, episode 92, Johnny Costa. He's a local firefighter, EMT, and he came on the podcast, talked a lot about his family dynamic, talked about, we talked about sports, specifically football. Uh, he talked about being a young dad. He had uh, his daughter at a young age and talked about the obstacles that you have to overcome and things that he's learned as being a young father, and I think it was a really great episode, and obviously talked about firefighting and how he got into that. Really great episode. You can check it out at thecarolconnection.simplecast.com. Also available, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening platforms. So, for today, episode 93, bringing in another great guest, Alex Medeiros. So, what's up, people? My name is Alex Medeiros. I've, I've heard I'm the, the number two Alex Medeiros. Funny enough, I know like five Alex Medeiroses. So. Seems like a pretty common name. What's your um, nationality? Portuguese. Yeah, there it is. Portuguese there it is. Guess, That's so what I figured. Fall River area is mini Portugal, so <laughs> Medeiros is everywhere. Yeah, so kind of just tell everyone who you are and what you're doing currently. Yeah, yeah. So like I said, my name is Alex. I grew up in Westport, Massachusetts, small town in, in Southern Mass. Uh, beach guy, farm guy growing up, small. Um, graduated with like 90 kids in my class. Uh, was big into sports, played a lot of basketball, a lot of baseball, um, and just kind of moved my way into the fitness industry and and wanted to be a trainer. Wanted to get into fitness, wanted to, to exercise, be around people who wanted to exercise, help people grow. There's a lot of, uh, you know, depth that came from, you know, struggles I had as a kid that made me want to be a coach and, and things like that. And now I've been in the fitness industry ever since. Awesome. And we'll, we'll dive into, obviously, the fitness stuff uh, a little bit later in the podcast as we progress. Like I mentioned off podcast, I usually like to start the podcast talking about family dynamic and like kind of where you're raised and brought up because it kind of paints a, a good picture and it lays down the foundation for people who are listening to the podcast who might not know you. So obviously, whatever you're comfortable with sharing, take the floor on family dynamic and kind of all that. Sure. Stuff. Yeah, I'm a transparent guy. I think it, it's funny because I have such a tight knit friend group and looking at their upbringings, it, it's made me kind of reflect on mine and and see that yes i had my challenges but i see their challenges as so much more so you know look at the the house i had and in fall river growing up it's a tiny little spot it was just me my older sister she's about nine years older than me um, my parents who uh you know god bless them and they've been together for like 40 something years their anniversary was yesterday been together forever but i remember some some tough times some battles going back and forth that they used to have um we uh we lived in this three tenement with my grandparents and, uh, and just looking back, appreciating the small things, you know, I, I didn't really have a lot. We had a couple of, a couple of toys here and there. I was never the kid that would go to the store and like cry about not getting things, but my parents did a great job of making me be appreciative for the small things and, um, you know, being respectful, holding the door for people. And, and I have to thank them for making me into the person that I am, but it was, uh, the, the biggest thing for me, my dad just wanted me to play sports. Uh, my dad was a big sports guy. He was a uh, a top player in in Fall River, which at the time in the area was a D1 school. Um, they had a lot of high-level collegiate players that were coming out of there. And uh, he wanted me to basically play play baseball, play basketball at a high level, and I was held to a, to a high standard. It put a lot of pressure on me, but I enjoyed playing the sports. Um, and, but over time, I think it built this this standard uh, and put this pressure on me that created a lot of anxiety that to me was 
the the summary of me as a kid. I was somebody who was uh, very quiet, very timid, didn't talk to a lot of people except for my friend group. And I was afraid to do so many things. I remember my mom telling me, like, oh, you should try to learn how to play guitar. And I was like, I can't. It's too late. Like, I can't do that. I'm like 13. I'm like 13. Like, now look back at that now. <laughs> I'm funny enough. I'm trying to learn how to play guitar this year. But then I was so, like, uh, afraid to do anything. And it, and it just grew from this, like, hyper-focused view that when my dad was at my games, I knew he wanted me to perform. I'd spend hours of time playing basketball, shooting hoops in my driveway for hours. And then he'd come home. And we played one-on-one. He'd kick my ass. I'd be so pissed off. I'd take my ball, chuck it in the woods. And then I'd go back and I'd shoot some more. You know, if it snowed, I'd shovel out my driveway. Like, a lot of people don't know this because when I played basketball in high school, I only played my freshman year and I never really did anything again. I tried out my sophomore year. I half-assed the trials because I, I knew I was going to make the team. And the coach didn't bring me on. And rightfully so. I was a punk-ass asshole. And, uh, and I deserved to be on there. And it, it kind of made me reflect. And it, and it pushed me and motivated me for quite some time. But... It, yeah, to me, it was a uh, it was a, a guy who or a kid who was not confident in himself and and reflected a lot on standards that somebody else set for me. Still love love my dad to death, but uh, there there was a lot of times that uh, you know I looked and I was like, man, I just got to make him proud, got to make him proud, got to make him proud, and uh, never felt like I was able to do that, no matter what. No, you know, it was never, there was never enough points I could score. There was never enough steals I could get, never enough strikeouts or home runs or hits, whatever it was. Um, and I felt like I was really good when I was practicing or, or, you know, behind the scenes. I'd go to my hitting coach, shooting coach, whatever it was, and be great and then show up to the games and act like I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. And it was so frustrating. And it made me so depressed to see, like, dude, I'm putting in so much work. You know, I would watch, I remember this is Michael Jordan, like mini documentary. It was way before this, uh, the, what's the last, the last, last dance, last yeah. dance, way before, like this is when I was a kid and I'd watch this documentary and I'd watch him play and I'd watch every move and I'd try to replicate it. And then, you know, I'd go into these games and I'd like, I would dribble the ball with my foot and just do some dumb things. <laughs> and it would piss me off to like no end. Cause it's like, man, nobody knows the work I'm putting in. It's like, what good is this work? You know, if, if I'm not getting anything out of it, um, so like with with the value in sports, you know, that I had and, and me being in this what I would call like a, a depression from not being able to live up to to this standard. Um, I had just this endless fear throughout high school, you know, this endless fear that, uh, you know, I was a people pleaser. I needed to make people happy. And, and this, I think, all stemmed from the views I had of, of my parents kind of, you know, wanting, um, you know, me to to fulfill this sports dream um but to me it worked in my favor over time uh, my junior and senior high school i wanted to basically play like college baseball it was my thing it was a sport i was doing well at and i felt like i could i could achieve some great things and i ended up tearing my rotator cuff back to back years mm. and wasn't able to do anything i didn't know how to pace myself didn't know how to warm up i was just trying to throw cheese every time i was up there I remember I played, there was one year in a, a, a travel league. I think I hit like seven batters through like five, five innings, like seven, eight Ks. I gave up two runs, but I hit like five, six people. It was crazy. <laughs> uh, just try to throw as hard as I could. But lo long story short, after tearing my shoulder, went in this even dark depression because I was like, you know, I'm not going to college now. Yeah. Had no wants to go to college. I can't play baseball. I'm just going to, I'm just going to figure something out. And, uh, 
slowly started getting the working out because I was in physical therapy so much for my shoulder. I was like, you know, what? I'm, I'm going to start exercising a little bit. Maybe that's probably a good idea. I used to eat like shit. I used to be really picky eater. Um, I used to only eat um, like ramen, ramen, uh, like the beef flavored ramen, um, bologna low sandwiches. Cows, <laughs> yeah, super low on calories, super high in sodium. McDonald's and uh, like a peanut butter sandwich. That was my rotation as a kid, which Dang. wondered why I was like mentally fucked up because I had a bunch of garbage in my body that I was taking in. So decided, you know what, I'm, I should probably put some good food in me and I'll probably get some good out. I started to actually take in some good content because I, I had a very negative mindset. I was very pessimistic, made excuses for everything. And I don't know how, but I was somehow able to hold myself in con, uh, accountable and said, you know what, Alex, you, you're a loser. You're, you're dumb. You're uneducated. Uh, you are afraid to, to read in front of people or, and uh, you're afraid to speak in front of people. You don't even want to speak to, to random strangers out, you know, on the street. Um, you're weak. You know, you're not a, a good athlete. You know, you have all these aspirations and you failed. And having the honesty was hard, um, but it, it helped me more than anything. And uh, that was about two years after high school that I started to really push myself to be better and say, you're not shit, basically. You, you need to put your ego to the side and... I started reading. I never wanted to be somebody that, because I didn't go to college, uh, was going to be uneducated, not be able to speak professionally. Uh, I didn't want to sound like I was uneducated or not be able to speak on topics. Uh, I also didn't want to feel weak. I wanted to be be confident, uh, you know, be strong. And to me, at the end of the day, if you can at least help somebody in some way, if I'm a little bit stronger, I can help somebody move. I can feel like I'm of some type of worth. Uh, so. The, the exercise to me was the, the core to my improvement in life and, and turned a lot of things around for me when, uh, when I graduated high school, I was doing nothing but playing video games all day. Yeah. I was playing Call of Duty. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a professional Call of Duty player. That's what I was going to do. <laughs> and I, I was in my parents' basement just eating pizza out of the fridge. I'd play pickup games, basketball here and there, and then just play Call of Duty. And I was like depressed and anxious and didn't want to do anything. It was awful, dude. I was, I was a mess. Yeah, I actually want to take a... Take a leap off what you were saying too earlier too about this expectation that your parents have on you playing sports because I literally relate to that so fucking much because my dad was a coach for me for everything and nothing was ever good enough always got to be better always got to be practicing and that was something that I didn't it goes back to that whole man up thing uh, that we we're kind of talking about earlier where you can't be upset like you cry about something pick it up like stop fucking crying like you have to be a man like stop stop being a bitch mm. and that was something that I, I always kind of had to deal with all the time was this expectation that I have to be perfect and I didn't have to be perfect like I realize that now but he just wanted me to be great and obviously I'm a shorter dude my dad's short we didn't have expectations of going fucking pro that was never the expectation but like the vision of like being successful at whatever I do is like also I think maybe he struggled with that too when he was younger that he was maybe the shorter skinnier dude he wrestled and all these did played baseball but maybe he and I never really had this conversation with him. Maybe me just critically thinking like he wanted me to like be better than what he was. Mm -hmm. And I struggled with that for a while, especially at least in my, uh, I have an older brother who's my half older brother. So it wasn't really in our family dynamic a lot of time, only on weekends. So I was the oldest brother in the house with my two younger brothers. And it was always like me first going to experience everything. Yeah. And the pressure was, I felt like the pressure was always on me to perform. And then my brothers would always win the championships, whatever they did. It was like, I was the test one. And then my brothers got all the success after that, because it's just like, it just, 
They've already went through it. My dad already had the coaching experience. He knew how to do it. And then my brothers had a little bit easier where they could just follow the method. Like, so that was something that I always like kind of bugged me was like, I literally would look back and like every single time, like my brothers win a championship. I'm like, dude, what the, like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. like and it, I would come so close my last year of senior league baseball. Like we were the best team by far. We kicked everyone's ass. We had like a super team. Like, and we were just by luck. We just drafted a bunch of good people. And, we get to the championship and just fucking lose. And then the next year my brother wins. And I'm like, dude, can I just get a break, please? And it was something that I always struggled with was like trying to, to people please. And I relate to you in that aspect because that kind of carried me for a while. But at the same time, the work ethic that I developed through sports and like originally with my dad being my coach was like part of the reason I'm successful doing a podcast because I'm able to stick to something and not just quit when I get frustrated because I think a lot of people, if they don't have like that mentor or coach or parent in their life that pushes them past that frustration point, then they're going to struggle later on in life because then you meet those adverse situations where you're going to struggle. You're just like, fuck it. I'm not doing this. You want to quit. For sure. Yeah. I, I, I think I am so grateful now when I reflect on, you know, just like the past events and my mentor definitely is my dad. I mean, there were, uh, he, he taught me about toughness. I remember he used to say, I have this phrase, just toughen up, he said, for everything. Like you said, kind of man up type of deal, right? But to, to take it in a way where I had to kind of grit through each of the moments and understand that you just got to get out of your head sometimes and just, just do, not care what people think, just get in, do. He taught me what hard work is. You know, I saw him day in and day out grinding at his job, working his ass off to put food on the table. Um, you know, I saw my mom and how respectful she was and, and kind to people. And, um, you know, I, I think when I actually took a step back and stopped looking at what everyone else was doing, you know, and stopped looking at, oh, you know, this cousin's doing so well. And, oh, this kid at school, you know, is, is doing so much better than I am at this sport. And just said, hey, you know what? You know, maybe I'm not going to be the best at this area. Maybe I can be the best here. Maybe I can improve somebody's life. Maybe me just bettering somebody else is going to make me feel better, which I think uh, when I started getting into fitness, uh, my, it's funny enough, my dad and I ended up playing in this pickup league together for basketball. I think it was like a few years after high school. And he ended up tearing his Achilles. Oh, and geez. he put on a ton of weight. He stopped playing you know, any recreational sports and just put on like 60 pounds. He went from like 210 pounds. My dad's like 60, he's a bigger guy. And put on like 60, he was at like 280 or something. And that was when I first became a trainer and I started to get into it. And um, long story short, I put together a program, uh, bought some equipment, made a nice setup in our garage, and he ended up losing like 60, 70 pounds. And it gave me a lot of confidence. I had already been training my friends for a few years and, and uh, had, had gotten them some results. But that was one that... When I saw how appreciative he was, and it was the first time that he was asking me questions about things. Usually it was like, okay, hey, this is what you should do here. Mm. Yeah, during this situation in the sport, okay, you know, we watch, we'd watch games, and it would be like, hey, this is what that guy should have done. And it, it, but this was a situation where it was like, oh, okay, I, I know more here. And it gave me some confidence to understand that it, there's a certain amount of power when you can provide for somebody. You know, when you have a skill set that can help somebody. It shouldn't always be about you. Some, a lot of times you'll feel better about yourself. You just give, give something to somebody. Even if you have to buy, buy a gift, give somebody, you know, flowers. You know, uh, I remember when I was in, in Texas for a short period of time, um, one of the guys there was like, hey, when was the last time you bought your mom flowers? And I was like, oh, that's a good question. So I randomly just ordered some flowers and just sent it to her. And the first thing she responded, I remember her text is, hey, uh, uh, 
you know, what do you want from me? <laughs> it's like, it's like, mom, I don't want anything. Like, my mom isn't that way. She, it was yeah. a, it was a joke. She appreciated it for yeah, sure. Yeah, but yeah. I just thought it was hilarious. Like, you know, I never thought about that. Why don't I order some flowers, you know, and send it to her? So I, I can't be more grateful for, for, you know, what they've done and just who they are. I mean, they're two awesome people. I love them to death. Yeah. It's the small gestures too, for sure. And like helping people. That's part of like the motivation when I started the podcast was like, I had to look at my life collectively and we'll dive into like the travel part too. Like we both went to Texas, Fort Worth actually. Texas brothers, man. Yeah, okay, there we are. <laughs> and like we experienced something similar, but like when I was in Georgia and I was in my toxic work environment trying to figure out what I want to do next, looking at my life pretty objectively. And I really thought to myself when I quit and I had nothing, I literally quit the job and I had nothing lined up. I'm like, what am I doing that's providing value to this world? Like, obviously, I'm doing a job, so, like, obviously, that provides some value. But, like, when I think of, like, helping people, I'm not helping people besides putting money in someone else's pocket. I'm not doing anything. And at the time, I was super into podcasts. I always talk about Joe Rogan and things like that. His free-flowing podcast talking to the variety of people that he does was impacting me. Like, post, post-college, post I'm getting educated through podcasts, seeing different other podcasters that he'd have on, just different people talking, conversing, talking about, like, whatever kind of opened my mind was like, maybe I could do something like that. And then I start, the wheels start turning, you start getting a little bit more creative and you start opening those doors. And I think part of the journey with life is getting back to who we were as kids and being more creative, being more able to explore ideas and ask questions and like connect with people. Honestly, I mean, the Carol connection right there. I mean, that's what it was all built on was like forming an in-person connection Obviously, I'm not against doing the virtual stuff, and we talked about that a little bit off podcast. Was like, part of me struggles with doing an, a virtual podcast because part of the reason I wanted to do this was to like ha- have someone across from me on a table talking about life and like mental health and positive things that have happened and struggles that we've gone through and just being honest and vulnerable. And you don't necessarily feel like you said it. You don't feel the energy in the room when you're just doing a like a Zoom call or WebEx, sure. whatever it is. So doing this podcast and we're closing in on a hundred episodes for myself. I've talked to so many fucking people and it's made me a better person. And I can't tell you how many people have like actually come back and said, I had such a blast doing that. It felt like someone put these words out there for me and I kind of like felt the same way. It felt like therapy and it always felt like that for me, but to have someone else say that was like, yo, this is kind of like I'm doing something here. Mm -hmm. And I've built so many great relationships doing this and like it feels like I'm helping people. I'm giving people a platform to come talk to me like and I appreciate everyone that comes on especially like yourself that trusts me with sharing like your life story and talking about that because it is a scary thing. I mean you walk in the room and like there's lights, there's a camera, we got the backdrop, the microphones. So like I appreciate that but it's like some people do get nervous and like I respect anyone that can sit across from me on the table and have a conversation and just be real and be themselves because it is intimidating if you've never done or had an experience like this. Sure. I wanted to um, go back into the conversation a little bit about the point with like the whole college thing. Like obviously when sports were kind of like the, the motivating factor for you and that kind of got taken off the table, why didn't you continue with that? Cause I know I'm assuming you're probably pretty decent in school. Usually a student athlete does, fairly decently in school what what was kind of like why didn't you continue with that obviously i'm grateful because i ended up meeting you stop and shop shout out to that oh, yeah. and that created the relationship but like 
what was, what was the decision there and like why didn't you follow through with that yeah i was always pretty decent in school i i got frustrated very easily and i think my, my own negative self-talk really did some damage you know whether if it was making excuses for why i was like bad in math or anything like that i just didn't have the grit to like push through and, and actually study i mean the fact that i even made it through without studying like ever like not reading books or, it was amazing to me uh, but even the even like playing sports in college i don't think i ever had a true direction you know i wasn't like a phenomenal baseball player to where i felt like i was gonna go anywhere crazy you know i, I was gonna try to play at like massasoit which had a pretty good like decent baseball program and um and just have some fun and just experience it right but uh, i think when i looked at it from a broader perspective i was like you know maybe i want to be a trainer physical therapist train athletes that always interests me because it's something that's still in the athletic and professional world but it's not you know the competitive side of it which was fine with me i think i saw myself going through the physical therapy for my shoulder and could see myself doing that to a certain degree and then once i started to roll with the personal training that became more of the route that i wanted to go i was fortunate where i had a lot of my friends were going through school already i had a couple who were physical therapists and seemed kind of so-so you know they, some of them enjoyed it some didn't and the way they were describing it to me wasn't necessarily what i saw myself doing especially as i started to kind of just grow as a person started to get myself out there and, and felt more confident about myself i saw where a lot of my strengths were going and it didn't seem like the physical therapy route was going to do that for me and i never really wanted to go for like business or anything like that or um, I had a lot of friends that were like swapping between criminal justice degrees and I did that. Uh, but, but for me, that was a cloud that hung over my head for a long time was, you know, I've all my friends are going for their degrees and they're finishing up and they're, they're you know, here I am three, two, you know, four years out of college or, or out of high school. And I, I got nothing, you know, I'm at, I'm at stop and shop when I started there. Um, I had done a little bit of time working with my uncle, you know, grateful for his opportunity. He gave me doing like insulation in Providence in Boston, but Outside of that, I was like, what am I doing? I remember pushing carriages and stopping shop and seeing some guys from high school and knowing that they were going through like the nursing program and being like, those dudes must think I'm an absolute loser, right? And I'd be listening, I'd have my headphones in, I'm listening to like, you know, whatever it was at the time. I was probably listening to like Lose Yourself by like Eminem or something stupid, <laughs> right? You're getting like hyped. And, um, and I just remember thinking like, I, I know I want more and I know I'm gonna be more than this and, and wanting to push myself further. And I, I'd, I'd use the workouts to really do it. And I became like addicted to working out to the point where it was uh, probably detrimental in a lot of ways, but I would work out for hours and hours a day. And um, the thought of going back to college, I actually had a bunch of paperwork filled out to go to, I think it was, uh, it was either BCC or UMass. Um, and I, I just literally just had to sign off and confirm like and go to the school that day. And I literally watched a YouTube video before going about how you can be a trainer without having a, a kinesiology degree. And I was like, oh, well, sick. I'm not going to go. Why do that when I can pay 700 bucks for this certification? You know, I don't need to spend 20, 20 G's right now on this. So ended up uh, just not even showing up that day and just got my certification and started training people. And uh, from there, I just started to run with it. And uh, the whole idea of going back to school just kind of took the back burner. I never wanted to be uneducated though. So my addiction to reading also started. Um, I, I started with, I'm trying to think of the first book. I think it was How to Win Friends and Influence People, um, which is a great book by Dale Carnegie. And if you're ever looking to develop your like speaking skills and how to connect with people and how to network, fantastic book. Um, Mind Gym was actually the first book I actually read out of my own like will. <laughs> uh, and shout out to Mike Texera, who's my hitting coach. He recommended it for me. 
Um, it just basically speaks about like the mindset of athletes and how some go into slumps and why they go into slumps. And it gave me such perspective. I was like, holy shit, these professional athletes go through the same stuff I did, but obviously a much higher level. I'm like, well, if that guy goes through it, then wow. Like it was talking about Alex Rodriguez and, and Derek Jeter and, uh, you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron, all these guys. I'm like, okay, this is cool. And it, and it really started to make me grow. Uh, you know, and then I start hearing about these guys like David Goggins and, um, uh, you know, as I go into uh, like uh, Relentless, which is a book by Tim Grover, speaking about his training time with Kobe and Michael Jordan, it just made me want to read more and more and more. And then I started setting goals to read 20 books, 30 books a year. Um, now I've actually regressed with my book goals because I realized I wasn't retaining anything. So I usually now set a goal for like 10 to 20 books a year. And I usually try to read them two to three times over. So my book like number five right now, I think for the year. And, and I feel pretty good about where I'm at. But um, I, yeah, the, the, the college thing has still been on my mind. It's something that I still think about. And now it's more of a thought of, I just know that people think that I might not be able to do it considering I'm an old ancient man. Now I'm 27 years old and I'm kind of like, hmm, maybe I should just go back just to shove it in people's faces and, and know that I could uh, blow it out of the water. Maybe I'll just become a doctor just for the shits over the next 12 years. I think it's good too, that you continue to like acknowledge, like you need to be educated in the matter of just continue to read that's something that i've gotten into the last year and a half i was never a big reader in school uh, I, I don't like being forced to do something Same. so like when you're forcing me to read books i'm reluctantly doing it and i'd go do spark notes or some bullshit or whatever it was <laughs> yes i was a and religious spark note user now i think the first book that because i I've, i fluctuated between audiobooks and uh, actual reading but I've gotten back to actual reading like books because there's just something about flipping the page that just like I think it's just seeing you maybe it's corny and metaphorical but turning the page each time and seeing the chapter placing your bookmark in it and seeing how much more you have to go and like there's something to it that's just more valuable because I have a, a Kindle and like it just and it never did it for me like I just never felt motivated to but when I did use it the first book was The Alchemist Love and that was a great book that really got me interested kind of getting the gears turning and then i read the power of now by oh, what's his name it's like it starts with an e and his last oh, name starts right. with a t i'll rattle it off in a few yeah i can't i can't remember off the top of my head and it's like a interesting name but the power Edward of now yeah, yeah 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 that's his name um great book and that was a helping me that was like early pandemic when i started doing that and like getting into it and then i kind of stopped and then, no, recently I've been getting really into, like, Jordan Peterson. Um, I read Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Um, I read Atomic Habits by James Clear. I'm currently reading uh, The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene. That, that's a really great book. I know people read The 48 Laws of Power. And that's that's on, that's on my, my list, but this one's, like, a 500-page book. So this one's been taking me some time to, like, go through. And I love the way that they write. And especially I love the way that Jordan Peterson wrote 12 Rules to Life. I got to read the, the second book. But they'll talk about like a scenario or something like that. And the same thing that Robert Greene does, he'll talk about, he usually talks about something in history and then he'll tie it to the, the law of the, like the human nature that he's talking in the chapter. And like, and then he writes the, like the interpretation of it and like the keys to the human nature and the way that he writes it, it's just like, it helps you understand it better. And I think more people need to just open a fucking book, especially nowadays, especially in America. I think we've gotten away from educating ourselves and gotten into the, the mindset that school equals education. And honestly, our school system is failing us. Um, a lot of countries are passing us in those in that, that aspect. So I do love the fact that 
you take the time out of your day to actually read and make that part of your lifestyle because you have to be constantly learning as an individual like that like being a lifelong learner it always sounded corny and like school and shit but like it's true like you have to be like to be a better person to be an educated person you have to continue picking up stuff whether it is watching youtube videos or listening to podcasts but reading I think reading, writing, and like critically thinking is something that we are forgetting as a society because of social media and the emergence of it. Um, it's definitely derailed a lot of people. And then you throw a pandemic in, which forces us more onto social media, which is great that we're able to connect with people, but our social skills end up suffering, which tend to not be a good thing when we are some of the most social creatures on this planet. So it's an interesting dynamic to see because I'm a big social media person and I appreciate social media, but I'm also trying to get back to this interaction that we're having right here, which is something that's very valuable because you learn so many things by just asking questions and hearing someone talk. And the more that we're able to do these things and share them with people, hopefully it, it serves as like an educational piece for people because like we're just two people having a conversation. Like there's nothing scripted about it. There's nothing in front of us. Like, yeah, we lay out a, a, like a, a format of how of points that we want to hit throughout a podcast, but there's, there's no script to it. And that's something I took from Joe Rogan was to be able to just have a conversation and learn how to be an effective communicator. And it's, it's helped me in all aspects of my life, whether it's work, family, relationships, friends, like anything, like being a better communicator and a better listener too. That's a huge aspect of it. And I want to turn it into, like, as you're stepping into the fitness world, obviously, it's a huge benefit towards your, like, with your mental health. And you've kind of already hit that a little bit, too, but kind of go deeper into that. Because obviously, you're talking about feeling depressed, feeling anxious. And I don't think it's always, it's talked about in the fitness industry, but, like, it's never the forefront, I feel like. Sometimes it's always, like, you can get your body looking right, you can get the image right. But, like, the mental aspect of it, I think people kind of always forget. Sorry, guys, technical difficulties with my camera. That's the one problem with the fucking camera. But, yeah, talk to me about the mental health aspect of the fitness industry. Yeah, so uh, to me, uh, there was a saying, I can't remember who it was from, uh, but, like, the the body is the mind type of deal. And I, I realized, you know, how I was holding myself a lot in, like, high school. I was always, like, scrunched down. I'm like, it's not really, like, a confident person doesn't hold themselves in that way. Like a depressed person would hold themselves away. If you think of somebody's confidence, like chest up, maybe not too douchey, you know, try to yeah. <laughs> a little bit more moderate, but, um, you know, chest up, shoulders back, be breathing fully. I realized um, that I wasn't even breathing properly. Um, so that's something that I coach a lot of people to do when I first became a trainer was like learning how to breathe and teach people how to breathe and how impactful it can be. Um, a lot of us like breathe through our shoulders. Necks are always tight. Um, and, and a lot of people are just stressed out and they, they're very shallow breathers because we constantly are like this all day because we're on our computers and we're typing and we're on our phones. And I looked at more of like the large scale, like functionality of uh, being able to lift something heavy and understand that when you challenge your body, it's something physical that could harm you. You know, when you do a back squat and you have some heavy ass weight on your back, it could physically hurt you and crush you. Right? But if I go to an interview and I'm stressed out, unless if that person's going to assault me during the interview, there's really no reason for me to be nervous about it. Um, but it should be pretty nerve wracking for me to be under a heavy ass barbell. So the, it, it was kind of understanding like what we should truly be, not to say fearful of, because I, I completely understand why you should be, um, you know, anxious or excited or fearful of it, like a big opportunity or a big decision for sure. But when you look at it from like a, a perspective of, 
uh, like for example, me and my buddies used to go to the, the dunes at the beach and we literally do sprints until we'd throw up. For some reason, we found enjoyment out of that, and I, and I love it to this day. Um, but after you do that, and then we'd go to work, and you have to deal with some angry customer. I was like, this is nothing. I'm not going to get stressed about this. I, if this lady knew what I just did this morning, this is nothing, lady. You know, I just worked out until I, I threw up at the beach like at, at 6 a.m. Um, so get, getting into the fitness side and being able to train people and realize like how unhealthy majority of people were. And when they tell me, oh, I feel like shit on a day-to-day basis, like, well, yeah, I can see why. You know, you're eating everything that's packaged. You're, you don't walk, you don't move. You just sit down all day in a scrunched up position. You haven't sweat in probably years outside of like, you know, just being like in a hot ass room. Um, you don't drink any water. There's a lot of like soda and alcohol and all different things that people are drinking. So at the end of the day, I was just thinking like, we should just kind of teach the basics. I think if people just do the basics, I think we think of like this large scale thing, like I need to go run a marathon right off the bat. You don't need to do that. You'd be you'd be surprised at just integrating some small basic routines like we were speaking before about your routine. And uh, and that to me gets me so excited to just hear like somebody who's, okay, yeah, I got my fitness side and you understand the value and you see what it's doing. Because I'll talk to people like, oh, I feel great. Most of them don't feel great. Just that you don't know what great actually feels like. Yeah. You haven't even been healthy yet. Be healthy and then you'll know what shit feels like. You, you'll feel that hangover 10 times more and you'll be like, oh, okay, I don't want to feel this way anymore. Um, you know, when you eat that that cheeseburger or and I'm not saying you shouldn't have that. I'm an avid cheeseburger eater. Love my taco. Right. Bell. Like, you know, you got you to enjoy <laughs> yourself here and there. Uh, I'm the, the biggest advocator of that. But you also want to understand that when you feel like garbage, when it's time to clean it up and how to do it appropriately. Uh, and, and that to me is, you know, when, when I started realizing the impact you can have at any job, but especially as a trainer. I almost had more of an impact on people than, and not me personally, but just as a trainer, you have more of an impact than sometimes doctors do. Think about a doctor. You go and you see them. You're there, sit down for like five, ten minutes. You're you're there for 30 minutes beforehand just waiting in the waiting room. They show up. They knock on your knees a couple of times, check your blood pressure. And listen, nothing against doctors. Love them to death. They do a fantastic job, majority of them. Um, but it's so fast, you know, there's such turnaround because they have to see so many people, they have to try to impact so many people. And then, you know, there's some of them that'll just throw you some medication and just do whatever they want. Suppose to me as a trainer, I get to meet with you an hour, typically multiple times a week. You get my direct contact. Like when was the last time you texted your doctor? Hey doc, I got something going on here. It feels kind of weird. Never. Right. I mean, now you have, some I don't even work. have a primary at this right, point. Go to the walk <laughs> right. Like that is, that is to me, like that's fantastic in 2022, but even like five years ago, that wasn't a thing. You couldn't no. zoom your doctor like five years ago. That's something that just came about from the pandemic. But like I have clients that text me at 11. Hey dude, I just, I just ate a Snickers bar. Dude, what should I do? I'm like, bro, just take a deep <laughs> breath. Chill out, man. You're good. We'll be fine in the morning. <laughs> so I, I started to realize there was a, a woman and I was not trying to say I'm a saint or I'm doing anything amazing, but this woman sat down with me. And, uh, she just let me know, like she had like all these suicidal thoughts and all these different things. And she started crying at my desk and just said like, thank you so much. You've like, you've changed my life. And I've had that happen a few times and it, it always puts things in perspective. Like I wasn't doing anything special. There was nothing amazing. I was just listening to this person, letting them de-stress, uh, taking them through a workout and hopefully guide them in a positive direction, you know, along the way while I was going through my own stressful times. But funny enough, while I was going through that, it kind of helped me de-stress knowing that I was impacting this person and moving them in, in hopefully a better direction than where they were headed previously. Yeah, I think what I've noticed from people who do tend to suffer from any type of mental mental illness, and I kind of say this openly, is like if you're not even moving your body, you're 
watching your diet or what you eat, you're not even giving yourself a fighting chance because I've felt those same repercussions. I mean, I've been working out since I've been in eighth grade. Like it was just something that was taught to me at a young age that I understood. I mean, I, I, I'm a smaller dude. So when I played football, like it was just something that I needed to do to be physically stronger, to compete with bigger, stronger, faster people. So I knew, I understood the, the importance of it to a degree. And it wasn't till after football ended I lost the motivation for like for fitness like there wasn't this drive there wasn't a reason for it anymore I was like at least when I was doing it it was like for football I'm getting stronger for football and you remove the motivation I didn't have any reason to do it anymore so I'd slowly kind of would stop doing it and I start once I go to college start drinking you start going down that path you hang out with the wrong people you're doing drinking you're doing drugs you're eating fast food it's just the college lifestyle and over time, and then when I moved away to Texas, and we'll get into like the the Texas and moving away part next. But when I moved away, I came back for uh, the first holiday, which was like Thanksgiving. And then I came back for Christmas for the second one. When I got back from Christmas, I just looked myself in the mirror and I was like, "What the fuck happened to you?" Like I I, uh, I struggle with my mental health out there because you'd think I have a new job in a new city with new friends that I'd feel happy, but I was at some of the lowest points that I've ever been in my life. And then I look in my mirror and I'm, to me, I look like a fat fuck. I'm like, what is wrong with me? And in that moment, I could have felt sorry for myself. I could have like, I could have pulled the trigger and done something very bad to myself. But instead I was like, you know what you have to do, set a plan and execute. So the week prior before going, going away, I already had thought about doing morning workouts, so I started practicing doing meal prepping. So I had to, I watched my roommate meal prep. He wasn't super into like, he was into the fitness stuff, but it, the meal prepping was something new for me to watch. So I started watching that. So I started doing that. So I started doing it small stuff before before I started doing my my workout plan. So when it came time to do my morning workouts, I had already laid down the building blocks. So when I started, I was going to be successful. And I I hit the morning workouts. 5.30 in the morning every single day, like, religiously. Like, my friend called me a psycho because I didn't miss one. Like, I, I was determined. And from 2019 to, like, end of 2020 because I moved back. I went to from Texas to Georgia, and then I moved back home. And then I went, I always talk open. They went through a situation ship around 2020, so that obviously played a role into this. But from 2019 to the almost, like, the end of 2020, I'd lost, like, fluctuated, like, 40 pounds. Some of it healthy, some of it not. But... A lot of it was, a majority of that weight loss was because of my lifestyle choices. Eating more healthier, watching what I eat, monitoring, being in a more calorie deficit, doing my workouts with a little bit more intensity. And that helped my mental health. I felt better about myself. I looked in the mirror. I'm like, I like what I'm seeing. Like who I see is how I feel. And it helped me kind of step forward more with my confidence. It brought back more joy into my life. And this past November, I started doing it again. Like I kind of was like starting to fluctuate closer and closer back towards the weight that I didn't want to be. And I've lost like a good like 10 pounds since I started in November. And I feel great like doing the morning workouts. Like you said, it's like putting you're putting a heavy barbell on your back, but we're nervous about going into the meetings with our bosses or something like that. And I like doing the morning workouts. It's the hardest part of my day and I get it over with. Everything else is just easy. And, and that mindset just carries through and makes my life 10 times easier. So I, I agree with you. The fitness aspect is so over, so underlooked when it comes to mental health and how we feel as people. And it, it's something that 
I'm grateful that we were able to talk about, but it's not talked about enough with a lot of people. For sure. I, I think you should look at workouts almost as building yourself for life. Like if, if you hesitate to put a certain amount of weight on the bar or maybe you're doing like a, a jump or something, you're trying to jump a certain height and you're afraid to do it and you're hesitating or you're, you're hesitating on doing the, the extra 20 minutes on the treadmill, right? Think about what that does to everything else throughout your day. I think there's a, there's a quote from, I'm trying to think of who it is. It might be Marcus Aurelius and it's how you do one thing is how you do everything. And to me, when, when I look at the gym, it, you can replicate it to everyday life. And usually when I would train clients, I would know if they were hesitating on certain things in the gym, there was things that we'd talk about outside of life that they would hesitate with. That the minute we would stop in the gym, they would stop in everyday life. And it's kind of funny how it worked out. But you kind of have to build those small wins. You know, that's what to me confidence is. It's all building small wins. It's keeping the small promises to yourself. And I've heard that a few times now. And it could be something as simple as saying, you know, you need to get up in the morning and I'm going to take a glass of water and I'm going to drink it. Cool. Do that. And people look, they overlook that, but just get that one small win. Promise yourself you're going to do that small thing. You'd be surprised how hard it is. Wake up in the morning, it's cold. You don't want to get out of bed. The next thing you know, you get so busy. You're like, oh, you know, uh, you know, I don't have time. I'm just going to grab this, this bar real quick. I'm going to, you know, eat a, a you know, breakfast wrap or something. Then I'm just going to go. Next thing you know, you didn't even get that water. You didn't have any water throughout the entire day. It really has nothing to do with the water. It could be making your bed. Making your bed is a huge one. There's a great book out there called Make Your Bed by a, a former Navy SEAL. Um, and I remember I had an argument with one of my buddies one time. He's like, you're making your bed is stupid, bro. He's like, I'm going to sleep in it later. I said, it has nothing to do with making your bed. It's about getting a small win to start the day, build a small habit, and it could be anything. Maybe don't make your bed, but drink that glass of water. I'm like that. My bed's never made, but like anything. I wake up and do my workouts every day. Right? Like it, It's as long as you build that first win and you have a habit that sets you up to be successful. That's it. To me, that's all I've cared about whenever I'm trying to build somebody's day. Because as a trainer, a, a good trainer is going to look at somebody's day and, and they're going to look at it from the morning they wake up to what time they go to bed. And I need to see what realistically is going to fit in with this person's routine. Because everyone's different. Some people don't have time to do a one-hour workout. Sometimes it only is 30 minutes. Sometimes some people have two hours. And you just got to figure out what you're willing to sacrifice. You know, do you want to have those weekends where you can have wine with, you know, your family? That's that's awesome. Go and do that. Go out with your girls, have some sangria. That's fantastic. Right. But you have to understand there's only so far you're going to be able to go with what you want to look like and how you want to feel. Right. On a day to day basis, at least. Yeah. All, it's all sacrifices. Then it's sacrifice. So you look at a bodybuilder, they sacrifice everything. They usually don't have a lot of friends. They usually don't have a lot of relationships. You usually fail a lot of things outside of the gym. Because you have to sacrifice. It's the same thing with the job. I mean, listen, it's like the same thing with like the whole Mamba mentality with Kobe. He, it was yes. everything was for basketball. Like, and that's what people don't understand too. When when you want to be, if you want to be as successful as someone like Kobe Bryant, there's costs with that. And some of those costs, most people most people don't want to give up that cost, and that's completely fine. There's certain things that I wouldn't give up to reach that level of success either. Like family is something that's very very important to me, and I don't know if I'd be willing to sacrifice as much as he has for his family. Like obviously R.I.P. But that level of intensity, like we always talk about that in social media of being successful, and it's like almost like a cliche we talk about being successful. But to be that level of success. It takes different level, and same thing with bodybuilder. I had um, one of my guests, Frank Perla. Shout out, Frank. Great episode. Go check that out. But he came on. He talked about openly about the struggles that he's had with bodybuilding. I mean, you put your body through so much. I mean, and the, he talked openly about the drug aspect of it too, how that can affect the psyche and like the body. And it's such an interesting conversation too when you talk about fitness and the way our body literally dictates how we feel. So if you're 
you look like shit, I guarantee you're going to feel like shit. When you feel like shit, you're going to make awful decisions that are not going to be, how do I say, beneficial towards a positive life. So a lot of the time it starts in a gym or outside or on a treadmill. Or just do it. I always say just do something. Go for just a walk. do something. You know, get up, do some some squats. I mean, to me, the walk can be so impactful. I, I, I love going for walks. To me, it's like I'll pop on a podcast. The beach is my place. Shout out to Horse Lake Beach in Westport. One of my favorite places to be. You know, it makes me so happy. I'd, I'd go, just walk around. You get the sand. Find a happy spot to just go for a 10-minute walk. Mine's Cold State. I mind. love Cold State in Bristol. Cold State Park is amazing. Like, there's a lot of good spots to walk over here in, in, in Massachusetts and in Rhode Island. Uh, but, but it could be a bike ride. Just get to find what you need to do to get yourself moving. It could be basketball. You know, could be uh, whatever. Find a sport. <laughs> just move. Yeah, just do something. Do yourself a favor. I want to turn this for like the back end of this conversation before we start wrapping things up um, about Texas, about travel, because we both share this similar experience where, and we talked obviously off podcast, and you'll share the details where I felt personally like I wanted to remove myself of my family and friends and go try something different to figure out what I really want and who I am, and none of this here would have happened if I didn't do that. So obviously you went to Fort Worth and all that stuff, Fort Worth, Dallas area. Um, kind of talk to me and obviously the audience about why you chose to do that. Yeah. I, the, the move to Texas is always in my mind. I remember after graduate high school, I always said like, I was going to be like a famous personal trainer in like Florida, California, or Texas. That was, that was my thing. I want to be somewhere warm. I've always hated the cold. I love the beach, love being outside. Uh, so when the opportunity came to potentially move to Florida, the girl I was with at the time, we were together forever. Um, and then there was just a lot of stress between like the jobs and the career paths we were going on. We ended up just splitting up. And uh, I had already committed to Florida. So I said, cool, I'm going to go to Florida still. And it was in Tampa. I was in Sarasota actually for about two months. It was amazing. It was awesome. Uh, I was at the beach, but my headspace was just, it was not in a good place at all. Uh, so I was like, you know what? Let me uh, let me hit up the guys I used to work for, for an old company um in the fitness industry up in mass and we had two gyms in dallas and i was like you know cool hit them up had an opportunity to come back moved over to dallas i was fortunate to shout out to my aunt and uncle um they live in uh in grapevine texas which was sandwiched right in between the two gyms that i was managing and uh and they helped me a ton when i first moved there my uncle was teaching me how to play the guitar um you know they, they brought me on some like different tours like the city and stuff like that uh, they're moving to florida now so they're in a, they have an amazing home but um they, they definitely set me up to be successful. So went to uh, to Texas, about 20 minutes outside of Dallas, and started managing health clubs, which I'd already done in the past, and um, you know basically had a, had a chance to step away from the personal training side and get more into uh, like business development types. So I really tried to network as much as I could. Had opportunities to do fitness modeling, capitalized on that. It was a lot of fun. Had to sign a couple of NDAs to do some like different. Um, like fitness, almost like uh, I'm trying to think of the woman, but it's like those goofy like fitness videos where you'd be like in the like the the stunt person in the back kind of <laughs> imitating. I was that guy. Uh, your job was basically to just not look exhausted while you're doing the workout, and I wasn't very good. My face gets very red. Uh, must be like the, <laughs> the partial Irish in me, I guess. Uh, but yeah, did that? Did um, health and wellness workshops? Had a chance to speak to people, which was you know crazy when I looked at it in hindsight nine years ago like I would have been the most shy guy ever now I speak to just about a hole in a wall you know people are like wait you used to be shy I'm like yeah I don't know how that happened but um had a chance to speak to like the chamber of commerce the mayor town halls things like that it was a lot of fun just speak about the brand and kind of like what we were doing and could do my own personal things as well I met some great people 
Texas is amazing. It's not what people think it is until you get there, especially from Massachusetts. I think people have this idea that there's cowboy boots and cowboy hats everywhere, which where you were in Fort Worth. I mean, yeah, there was, yards, there was, there was. You get that vibe, but Dallas, no. It's so modern. Uh, I didn't even really hear that many Southern accents. To me, it was a lot of people from Cali, from Florida, different places all over the, all over the country. So uh, just great. To me, if you're looking to network and you're looking to grow and you're looking to kind of take a risk and move, no better one than Texas. I mean, you get cheap luxury apartments for like 200 bucks a month, which here, I mean, you can maybe get something with some bullet holes in the walls. That's <laughs> about it. But uh, it was an amazing experience. You know, the weather was great. There's a lot of lakes. There's water down there. I know it's amazing. Surprise. Um, lake life is a lot of fun compared, you know, considering I'm a beach guy. You know, I was I was shocked. The one thing that I missed out there, and I actually had took like a three-hour trip to Oklahoma for some mountains, and like there were mountains. They weren't really mountains. Yeah. Like, it looked like mini hills to me, but like, I just, for me, I, I always love New Hampshire like that. Even when I was a kid, we'd always go up to lake houses in New Hampshire in the mountains and just near Storyland and shit up there. Like that was always like the, the thing. So my heart has always, always been drawn to New Hampshire, but Texas was something different. The pace, the culture, the food, the people, unlike anything I've ever experienced. And like, I've talked about it a lot on the podcast because- I try to advocate for getting out of your comfort zone. And that was something that was completely, I, I've never left home. I never did anything like that. And to completely just separate myself, change the way I look at life and the way I think. And I don't know if I'll do it again. It's just something that's on my mind and I'm flirting with. Obviously life is very, <laughs> I'm, I'm flirting with it. I'm very like, if I do go back, Texas would be the place because I already have people there, so it's an easier transition. But because obviously, when if you have to start a new job and you don't have any programs with friends or anything like that, start living in a new place is very difficult to make friends. Like I'm not gonna deny that aspect, but starting in new locations and just getting that fresh that fresh vibe, it kind of allows you to kind of create yourself again. Because when you stay in your hometown or stay around your hometown your entire life, people are going to try to put you in a box and they're going to try to keep you there. And that's the negative thing. And I've even learned that through TikTok is when you kind of step out that way, outside this box that people put you in, they're always going to look at you that way that they had you in that box. Even if you've changed, they're going to try to keep you in that place. I mean, even family does it. So getting out of that box is something that you have to do. Even if you come back, people are never going to accept the change version of you, but you have to keep moving and just embrace the change. And that's something that I applaud you for doing because not a lot of people are willing to kind of put themselves in uncomfortable positions. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely changed me for the better. I, I think it forced me to, to grow. I mean, I gained, I felt like 20 years of life experience in that one year. I mean, my car was broken into my backpack that I had forever was stolen I had a notebook in there from the last 10 years of all the goals that I wanted to achieve. I mean, you posted on the, I, I remember off. that. I remember that. And that was in that, that, uh, backpack and, and all the things that were in there, my MacBook was in there, uh, like, um, all kinds of other things, books that I was reading. And that was the only thing I cared about. I just wanted that notebook back. And then I thought about it in hindsight. I, I, I was really angry. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like a robot. I wanted to like kick somebody's ass or like driving around like a psychopath looking for this person. But uh, I kind of reflected on it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to win this. You know, I'm, I'm, I could easily let this ruin. It was like literally January 2nd, I think, that this my car was broken into in Texas. I was there for legit like a month. I was like, I could let this ruin my entire year, 2021. I could let this ruin my month. 
my week or even just today. I'm not going to let it ruin anything. I'm going to actually benefit and say, hey, you know what? Maybe this guy's going to read these books that are in there. There's nothing worth. I mean, you can't get in my MacBook. It was old as hell. Maybe he's going to open up that notebook and start reading and be like, oh, like, you know, hopefully that guy learned something because clearly he needed it way more than I did. He broke into my, <laughs> my, my sucky Corolla. So uh, there was just so much, you know, from, from the apartment living in there, figuring out just how to like put together the apartment in the way that I wanted it to starting, you know, for this, uh, you know, different completely like gym chain down there, um, working at a much higher level, meeting a lot of these high level business owners and like investors was awesome. And having a chance to pick their brains, uh, meeting some friends that, you know, I consider lifelong good friends now. Shout out to my, my boy Garth and, uh, and Kenny, they taught me a lot um, and had me started on some different paths that maybe I wasn't thinking about before. Um, and coming back here, I, I still have a storage locker in Dallas, so it would not shock me if I go back there at all, or even Florida. I enjoyed that too. But coming back here, I felt good. I just felt like it was right. felt like it was the right move. And since I've been back for only like five weeks, um, it, it's felt, felt pretty good. Yeah. There's something, something about new England that always brings you back. Um, the Boston air. Yeah. It's just something, something hits different up here and like, it feels good good to come back and well i think the hardest part for me when i did come back was dealing with the way people like treated me like i was still the same version of myself like i didn't go through something that because it's funny when you move away everyone's like oh yeah i'm gonna come out and see you i'm gonna come do this and like that they, majority of them don't they never do they never fucking do it's fun. people have lives people have lives but like I always would jokingly say is like now that I'm back, I'm like you guys waste the greatest opportunity. Like you could have come to a place, paid zero dollars to stay, and I was in downtown Fort Worth. Like we could have experienced Texas, and none of you guys came. And I don't forget that either, though. Like the opportunity was there. Costs obviously we're not we didn't have inflation. Costs weren't going crazy. There wasn't a pandemic, so it's like I don't forget those things, especially when I was at my lowest. And obviously. Everyone, like you mentioned, we all have lives. We're adults. So we have to. We all have to deal with our own shit. I don't, but I don't forget the people who were there and the people who weren't. So when I moved back, I it's just like I, I was like, just keep the same energy. Like I'm gonna keep doing what I do. And ever since then, I've kind of created my own lane and separated from a lot of people. I stuck to my podcast. And now I reach out to people who who want to come talk to me and share their life story. And I I try to stick with people who are like minded. And I don't want to go back to the old way of doing things that I was doing prior to moving to Texas because I didn't like that version of myself. And that was the reason I moved away was to find a part of myself that I had lost through just growing in life. So anyone out there that's listening, take our stories from just kind of like moving away and experiencing something new and just try it. I think it's worth trying. Um, we are getting towards the back end of the podcast, so I want to kind of start wrapping things up. I do have one more question for you, which is tied to passions, but is there anything that you want to say or you didn't get a chance to say? Um, obviously not relating towards passions. So if, if there's keep it away from keep it. it away from that, but if there's something you want to say, uh, this would be the good time. Yeah. Just let me piggyback quick off of your, uh, we were speaking before about kind of like your environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be very careful about who you have around you. You know, I'm fortunate. I've had the same friend circle. Uh, my two buddy Nicks, uh, Tyler, Ryan, Mike, um, you know, they're, they're guys who are, they're good people and they've, they keep me motivated when I, when I maybe don't feel as energized or I feel like I'm on the wrong path. Um, they were there messaging me. I mean, my parents, my sister, everyone was like, you know, messaging me when I moved down and, 
made sure I had my head on right. But get some good people around you because that's so important. You know, even if you move from one place and go back, you'll feel the same stale energy if you're around the same stale people. Get yourself in a good spot. It's hard to pull the Band-Aid off, but find yourself some good people with some traits that, that you would like to see in yourself. You know, where do you envision yourself? What's the best version of you? I see myself doing this on a day-to-day -day basis. This is who I want to be. Surround yourself with those people. Don't let people be, be kind of like baggage and weighing you down. I think that's perfect. Perfect. Uh addition to what we were talking about there so alex the last question i have for you is what would your advice be to someone who wants to pursue their passion that is a great question and i think it, it's been a hard question for me to answer because it's something that i even try to figure out myself is like how to direct because i think when people think about their passion they immediately are like okay what should i do as a career and the, the big question for everyone these days is like, how do I find happiness? How do I be happy? And I feel like everyone's like miserable these days for no reason. And I, I was always big on gratitude and, and being grateful. But I realized as well, it's so easy to just kind of like settle when you're just grateful. So to me, you have to be grateful first and then ambitious second. So figure out something you want to strive for. And then last, be courageous enough to go after that thing you want to be ambitious for and when I thought about it, it's like being grateful is looking towards the past, being appreciative. Um, being ambitious is looking towards the future. And then being courageous is in the moment. It's present. So you have to finish with being present. Act on what it is and then figure out if you enjoy it or not. That to me is the easiest way to look at passion. If you actually do something in the moment, act. And if it sucks, guess what? As long as you're not dead, you got more time. Continue to try, feel it out, and keep moving. Uh, don't be afraid to take those risks. Be courageous. Take some action and, and see where your life goes. Damn, that's a fucking fire answer. That's one of the better answers that I've heard in a minute. I'm not going to lie. Um, Alex, appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's been a blast catching up. It's been a long time since we actually Stop have. Stop so. brothers. Yeah, brothers <laughs> for life, man. So I appreciate that. Um, for you guys, if you guys like the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends, share with your family, share with your grandma. Check it out at thecarolconnection.simplecast.com. Also available Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening platforms. So until next time, guys, peace. Peace.